Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the TT Podcast, the unofficial fan podcast of Roman Bardé. It's the second rest day of the Giro d'Italia, and we've landed in the Dolomites for the business end of the race. Joining me to go back over the second week of racing at the first Grand Tour of the year is my co-host Tom. Tom, any uh, any pushbacks on the rebranding to a Roman Bardé podcast? Yeah, I I mean, I've done my best on Twitter this week to distance myself from everything you've posted anyway, but uh, I might, I'm might i going to go on the record on air now and say that we are 50% a Roman Bardet fan podcast and the other 50% has, you know, a relevant amount of respect for Bardet. I like Bardet, but I'm not, I'm not stalking his Instagram late at night like you are. Uh, no, come on. There is a line. I respect the line. Um, but you know, it's important that we respect him and his ability. Uh, it's just the sort of the thing, I don't know what it is, but a softly spoken Frenchman does things to you. And that's becoming very evident by the episode. The more and more we record Julian Alaphilippe and Roman Bardet have just, <laughs> I say this, well, Tom says this as I sit here in my, uh, AG2R cap, I haven't quite upgraded to the, uh, the DSM cap yet, but I've got my AG2R cap on and I've got a very uh, sulky framed picture of Julian Alaphilippe over my left shoulder. So um, I'm not, I can't really fight back to those statements. Anyway, Tom, let's talk about the French. Let's talk Italy. Second week finished. Let's talk about the French. Let's talk about Italy. <laughs> <laughs> really rolls off the tongue. Um, second week's finished. Let's go back through and rather go by stage by stage. Let's go back through and look at the teams or the people that have impressed us over the last week. Um, and my kind of first nomination for that would be Kubeka Assos, which is a team that I think both you and I hadn't envisaged that we'd be speaking about very much in our uh, Giro coverage this year. No, they're, they're obviously not one of the teams you expect to turn up at Grand Tours and dominate, but they certainly have since we last recorded. Um, tactically, some very astute performances. They've obviously won the sprint as well. Um Something that, uh, I mean, well, last week predicted that Nizzolo would uh, take the points jersey all the way to Milan. He then won the stage and I thought, yeah, I am the Oracle. And the following day he pulled out. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> you had your smugness for all of 24 hours, which is... It was enough time for me to put a tweet up and claim all credit. So that was that's really what matters. <laughs> but I think with, with Quebec Rassos, the thing is that at the end of last year, we got this impression, and I say impression, it was almost certainly true, that they pulled together a, a makeshift squad so that they would have a World Tour team for this season. Um, it's no secret that they have the least funding of the World Tour teams. And yet here they are, having taken the same amount of stage wins at this Giro d'Italia as Team Ineos. They've obviously, you're right, you know, they have put it together very last minute, um, but it's still a talented roster. And I just think the way the race has gone, it really does play into their hands with uh, the performances that Egan Bernal had put in and the lead that he built up. It's lending the race towards, you know, the break basically making it to the line every day. And that, apart from, you know, the big mountain stages where the GC guys might come to the fore, but 
that really lends itself to maybe some of those smaller teams who don't have a dominant GC rider or a sprinter like Nitzola is a very talented sprinter and he has won the stage, but you wouldn't necessarily put him in the same bracket as your Caleb Ewins or your um, Mark Cavendish's. Uh, (laughs) Off old. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Or or even Gronewegen on form, you know, people like that. Um, So, yeah, I think it's just been a a combination, you know, the sort of the stars have aligned for them really. And they have made the most of it. I think it's interesting what you were saying about the break as well, because obviously they've had three stage wins. Uh, their winners come in Maro Schmidt, uh, Schmid, should I say, Maro Schmid, um, Giacomo Nizzolo and Victor Campanas. Two of those were won from the break. Obviously, Nizzolo didn't win from the break. Um, <laughs> Schmid won on that Strada Bianchi stage up to Montalcino and Campanas won, you know, just off the front in a kind of two-up sprint uh, for his first ever Grand Tour win, which I was surprised to uh, to read. I thought maybe he'd snatched some sort of time trial win back in the day. He's the hour record holder. Um, but no, first ever Grand Tour win. He talked about that, didn't he? He said he never really had the belief that he could win a stage on the road rather than a time trial stage. He'd always target the time trials, but he's never really had the belief in himself to go after it on the road. And then, well, clearly now he does. Well, let's move on then to our second kind of big name that's come out this year. Um, Lorenzo Fortunato. Tom, how much of Lorenzo Fortunato did you know before the start of the Giro and also before he crossed the line on the Zonka line? <laughs> well, I'll be brutally honest, and you know this, about 10 minutes ago, I was looking through the list of stage winners and I went, Lorenzo Fortunato? Who the f- is that? <laughs> <laughs> He's, um, um, so that, that tells you how much I knew about him. <laughs> good for him. I mean, look, if you don't know who he is, you're very much forgiven. Um, Tom and I, Although we jokingly claim to be the source of knowledge on um, modern cycling and the pro peloton, um, we very much aren't. And we did not know who Lorenzo Fortunato was, nor do we know much about his team, uh, Yolo Cometa, uh, a team whose managing director is uh, none other than Alberto Contador, who, I'll tell you what, Tom, I watched the stage on the Zonkland on Saturday. And as I was watching it, my phone popped up to me and it said, Alberto Contador has now gone live on Instagram. <laughs> and I had the TV in the background and Alberto Contador on my phone. And it was the most intense split screen I've ever done. I had Contador shouting at me from my phone. He was sweating bullets. Uh, all he was talking about was his heart rate and how he couldn't breathe and how he wasn't sure they were going to do it. And that Tratnik was coming back and he couldn't believe it. And then suddenly they win. And uh, well, I put it in here. If you haven't seen, if you haven't heard it, this was Contador's reaction to Fortunato taking the win on the Zonkolan. So yeah, clearly very happy about that. Yeah, I mean, that's just screaming. I've seen the last uh, 14, 15 seconds that, again, I think you posted the other day on our Twitter, and it was just a lot of excited Spanish shouting, really, wasn't it? I think that's what we've just heard. <laughs> what, I, what I enjoyed about it was we saw from the start of the Zonkalan Ineos lining up their train, their train of Latin Americans. Essentially, it was uh, Danny Martinez, Egan Bernal, who else was there? Castroviejo, who's Spanish, and there was another Latin American. Amador? No, he's not there, is he? No. And, oh, Jonathan Narvaez. Of course. Um, So you saw that up, and I was like, right, 
so much for the whole new way of racing, Dave Brailsford. What's happened here? I thought you guys were supposed to be attacking up these climbs. And yeah, I was kind of preparing for Ineos to just drill it into that climb, take it out of everyone else, burn off everyone else, blow their legs to pieces. And um, just see that kind of, I mean, it's, it's very tactically intelligent, but quite mundane watching for us. Uh, unfortunately, Lorenzo Fortunato lit it up at the front. We saw him grinding up 20% gradients, um, which just as a side, George Bennett did twice. Did you see this? I saw a tweet that said, I, again, yeah, I haven't seen it, but I did, I read that he went and then did it again for Afini or something. So throughout the stage, Afini had been blowing his legs to pieces for mm-hmm. George Bennett. And when they got to the foot of the Zonkolan, well, I mean, you, you know, you give everything for your teammate, then you ride into the end. That's usually how it works for a domestique. Not every stage you do all of that, and then you have to go up a 10% climb for however long it is. Um, so Bennett obviously finishes the stage, comes back down, sees Afini, and thought, well, you know what, I'll ride up with him. So he does these 20, 27% gradients all over again with his teammate. Is that allowed? It's technically not allowed. Yeah, um, I was going to say. <laughs> because... I think the UCI turned a, a blind eye to it, but you're not allowed to because I guess you could kind of be giving them an advantage if you're kind of pacing yeah. them back up it. So no, it's definitely not allowed. Uh, but George Bennett's a sweetheart of the peloton. I don't think they're going to start punishing him. <clears throat> yeah, well, I, that brings us nicely onto today's stage, actually, because he, um, I don't know, if did, did you see George Bennett today at the top of the one big climb that was left in? He had the musette on his shoulders. Um, why why did he, he have that? I don't know, and he still had it when he crossed the finish line. <laughs> it might be. So there's been a lot of talk recently about George Bennett and how he's, if anything, perhaps lost too much weight ahead of this season. So maybe what he thought was, I'll fill him with stones. I give him the momentum on the descent. Give him a bit of weight to get down the descent. <laughs> really chuck it around those corners. Yeah. Um, either that or, he, I mean, he made a name for himself recently for wearing two jackets when the rain started coming down. So maybe he had like, three jackets, a gilet, four pairs of gloves in his musette, just in case it was really cold at the top of the Cimacopi. He's a Kiwi. The weather in Italy can't be that bad compared to, <laughs> especially rain-wise, compared to what he's used to at home. <laughs> Let's focus on Egan Bernal then, uh, the winner of today's stage. And is it premature to say the winner of the Giro d'Italia this season? Uh, probably not at this point, unless he's lost all time trialing ability or his back goes, which probably is a worry for everyone on that team. But he's just looks unbeatable at the moment, doesn't he? Unbelievable. I mean, the stage today, I think there was a lot of talk at the start. It was, it was called, not called off, but they chopped out the first two climbs for extreme weather uh, in inverted commas. And also as an aside here, hats off to the race commissaires who get a lot of stick but in the last few days, especially this stage and back on stage 15, where they had the big crash just after the neutral zone, have shown themselves to act very quickly. And we're not, you know, we're not getting paid to say this by the race commissaires, but they've shown themselves to act very quickly and take the right decision in that moment. They're there, they re-neutralize the race, much to the visible disappointment of the breakaway. Um, start of stage stage, supposed to be the queen stage. Uh, they chop off the first two climbs. They say, no, look, it's too cold. You're going to descend like crazy. It's dangerous for you. We want you to go back to your families after the end of the Giro d'Italia and celebrate the nice time that you've had, preferably not in an ambulance. <clears throat> yeah, I, again, there was a lot of disappointment from sort of all corners on, on social media this morning. But 
my view on it is you can't really take any chances where rider safety is concerned. If if you think if you think that one rider might come off the bike because of the ambient conditions, that's it. You've got to do something about it. Well, this is and, and everyone's like, oh, you know, cyclists have lost their hardness. You know, it's a sport for children now or whatever. I there there is like you know they look back to them they look at riders like Eddie Merckx who doped himself to the nines and but I, I can't say that for slander reasons so let's just <laughs> allegedly like say, allegedly doped himself to the nines mm-hmm. um I've just finished a book uh Will Frotheringham's book about Tom Simpson and if I've learned one thing from that it is that riders should very much not be pushed to the limits of their physical ability because it's a very fine line between that and keeling over on Mont Ventoux and dying yeah well that's taken a turn but obviously that is what we're trying to avoid yeah um fortunately I'll be, I'll be honest if you, if you looked not. at the pictures I was just going if you looked at the pictures today it did look pretty grim and you like to say yeah could they have got over there yes should they have done no so I think that's it really there you go and yeah. I'll be honest with you Tom and I'm going to say this very quietly uh I quite like a shortened stage I love a short mountain stage where they're just right at it from the start. This is it. It's pedal to the metal, hell for leather over the Dolomites. It's incredibly aggressive racing. And it means that by the time they get to the final climb, the big one, the one that's going to count, the legs aren't too tired. And mm. it means that, you know, it's just explosive. Like, you know, they're all attacking each other because they're like, well, I'm feeling surprisingly fresh here because I've only ridden 100 <laughs> kilometers before I got here. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. I, it's not what we're here to talk about, but I really like the way the tour has done it recently where they just throw like a 120k stage in there and just put two out of category climbs you know it's just like go up go down go up that's it that's your stage what <laughs> you're talking about that and again we're very you know on a tangent here um it's evoked that f1 style starting grid they had a few years ago where they had a <laughs> 60 kilometer stage i think it was it was after was it after they had the snow slide on in teen in 2019 no maybe it was before Remember Quintana won the stage. Somebody write into us remember. and tell us what happened here. But Quintana won the stage. They had an F1 grid at the start. I don't know whether they thought that somebody was going to gain like an advantage, like pole position, Primoz Roglic or whatever. But they all just kind of merged into a bunch straight after that. But it was 60 kilometers and it was ridden at, you know, electric pace. And that's what Which, I want to watch. Yeah. As a, like once per tour, obviously a nice 180 drawn out, slow battle is um is intriguing as well but that's what you want to see you want to see every different capability of the riders tested day in day out there you go well they should have you they should have us yeah. organizing these i know you've already been organizing your uh as we know i'm yeah i've, I've been your drawing classic a in the northwest from, yeah so when in 20 years time when we've got a race to rival the big classics like, you know, Milan San Remo and Liege Baston Liege and not Strada Bianchi. Uh, we've got your leads to Newcastle or whatever you've been planning. No, it was finishing the lakes, nice and scenic across North Yorkshire and the Pennines, basically. Oh, some big climbs up there. Yeah, that's the idea. It's going anyway. to it's it's be like Lombardia, but not with nice falling leaves, just, you know, constant drizzle. <laughs> <laughs> um, talking about big climbs, Ego Bernal, back to, to Ego <laughs> Paso Giao, he's straight over the top, straight down the bottom, has enough time at the end to take his jacket off, unveil his resplendent Maliarosa. Unbelievable. Great finish. What a champion. Yeah, as we said, he just looks in supreme form, doesn't he? And 
the was it Caruso and Barde coming coming behind him on the descent? They yeah, did right. obviously get gain some time back on the descent, took a few risks. I mean, Barde is one of the better descenders, uh, and that's all the praise I'm going to give him. It's all right, Tom. We haven't even moved on to the Barde section, so say what you want about Bernal, <laughs> but I am raring to go. I'll just hand over and let you let you do it. I'll keep quiet for the next 25 minutes. What I want to say as well on the Bernal finish here is we've seen a movement in the recent years, mainly in the last kind of 16 months, a movement that's edging away from showboating and cycling. And it's something that I adore. And I have so much time for Bernal taking that off, celebrating with about 50 metres to go, even, even though it's a, he's in a GC battle here. Yeah, I mean... You learn the lesson from 2018 at the Giro where someone like Chris Froome can completely overhaul it in one stage. And he'll know that because it was his team that did that back then. Um, but still, he's not like, right, every second counts. He's like, no, I'm going to take my jacket off. I'm going to get a nice picture from the photographers here so my mum can put it on the mantelpiece back home in Colombia. <laughs> Equally, I know it was a one-day race, but Philippe Gilbert walking his bike across the line when he won Flanders seems like that absolutely elite there's so much time it's from the Julian Alaphilippe school of thought and yeah if we hark back to the start of this podcast I'm very on board with that yeah except he got beat on the line at Liège best on the age last year in the rainbow jersey it doesn't it doesn't matter whether you win or not it's whether you look cool on the bike Tom and that's the important thing right well go on use that to move on to Roman Bardet okay Roman Bardet um I will admit from the top here that I've cried wolf a number of times on Roman Bardo's stage wins. Um, and after what I lived today, where he goes up the top of the mountain, we can't see the pictures. We don't see any of the pictures. It's like listening to an audiobook the whole time, but you don't know what's going to happen. Um, but now goes down. And I know, because I know Roman, okay? And I know that he's got an unbelievable descending ability. We saw it in 2018 at the World Championships when he caught up with Valverde on the descent and came second. The less said about that, the better. Um, I actually had a moment the other day where I thought about that and I thought, if Valverde had been ejected from this sport, Roman Bardet would forever ride with rainbow bands at the end of his sleeves. And that thought upset me that that's been taken away from him. But anyway, we're not talking about that. He was the big winner of the day for me. He's risen from, well, in the last few days, he's gone from about 15th on the GC into 10th, now into 7th. If he continues that trajectory, it's like he's a looking phoenix at a podium from place. the ashes. Absolutely. Unbelievable. I, you know, for me, as I say, yeah, he's the big winner for the day. And I say that in a manner that I admit is completely, utterly, and unashamedly biased. Yeah. Well, I haven't heard anything there that I don't hear daily from you anyway. There's. <laughs> Uh, you've you've moved it onto our social media accounts as well, but uh, he's not going to win. If you told me, right, if you told me two weeks ago at the start of the Giro that two weeks in, Roman Bardet would be 25 minutes up on Remco Avenapool, I'd have said, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> oh, I just, I never know what to say at this point. But final point on this is that there's part of me there's, obviously there's I'm incredibly excited about all of this as you can tell by the sound of my voice um, but there's part of me that's a bit gutted that I didn't get to see him absolutely send it on that descent didn't Caruso get down quicker than him 
Did he? No, because Bardet caught Caruso. Ah, uh, no, because uh, did Caruso drop him on the climb? Yeah, Caruso dropped him on the climb. Uh, okay. Caruso dropped him on the climb by a little bit, and um, Bardet made up thirty-four seconds on Bernal on that descent. Admittedly, Bernal's not going to be taking as many risks because he's in the Malerosa, but that's unbelievable from Bardet. Thirty-four yeah. seconds to finish second, which no one will remember. He didn't even know he'd finished second. I'll remember it, and that's all um, that matters. Okay, well, I'm going to forget it. I didn't even watch it, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I unfortunately have not been allowed to work from home yet so I still have to go into the office every day and can't uh, can't actually watch Tom do you want to finish on a who am I I do because I've got no quiz for you so Thank I you, need mate. to be tested and I'm quite enjoying these who am I's well the issue is you've just admitted that you don't watch any of the racing <laughs> <laughs> which uh, is an obstacle for this podcast I'll admit um, but, yeah, but I do a lot of background reading instead. That's important. You know, you're the brains. I'm the intense passion. The, mus- the muscle. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Who am I? The person who the I am. Inten- the intense passion. Uh, the person who I am. Uh, that's my, sounds like a w, <laughs> sounds like a WWE like stage name, doesn't it? Now introducing... The intense... No, I'm not going to say it. Anyway, <laughs> I'm somebody who currently sits in the top 10 of the GC. <clears throat> right. Well, I've got 10 names in my head, but no, I'm not going to have a guess. Do you actually? Because I think I could only probably name about five at this point. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but I'm not going to have a guess, so I can just claim I know 10, so it's fine. Okay. Uh, point one, and please don't get this right, because again, I haven't prepared a second one. There's no pop culture references in this, so I'm not expecting you to... Okay. Rely on that knowledge here. Statement number one. I've never worn the leader's jersey at a Grand Tour. Um, no, that doesn't really narrow it down. I mean, I've ruled a couple of names out, but it doesn't rule many in, to be honest. Okay. Who are you ruling out? Uh, Egan Bernal. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That would be right. You'd be right to do that. Um, Simon Yates has won the Vuelta, so it's not him. Is uh, Madonna's cousin, Julia Ciccone, still in the top 10? I think he is, and he definitely wore yellow at the tour. Uh, Joao Almeida. God, you do do the reading, don't you? One, uh, obviously wore, he was in pink for a while last last year, wasn't he? Anyway, we'll move on. Yeah. Statement number two. So, it's, so, right, I've ruled out those four. That's good going. Statement number two. Uh, my best Grand Tour finish to date is eighth. Oh. Because I know who made a big move today. And it was Hugh Carthy, who I don't think has worn the leader's jersey, but I also think he finished higher than that at the Vuelta last year when he won that stage on the Angleroo. So I don't think it's him, but I don't know who it could be. You want another statement? Yes, please. This is wonderful thinking out loud from you, Tom, as well, by the way. (laughs) Um, I wasn't my team's main GC hope at the start of the race. So... After today's stage, I think I've got it. Okay. What's your reasoning? Go on, explain it and then give me the name. I think it's Caruso. I think he moved up big time today, didn't he? And in the absence of Mikel Lander, he has just gone for it. Tom, throughout this whole Who Am I Here, you have been a beacon of supreme knowledge. (laughs) And you've narrowed it down perfectly and you've got it correct. 
buzzing with that. What was the fi- what were the final clues? The final two were this is my 14th Grand Tour participation. Oh, that wouldn't have helped me at all. Um, and then the final one, if you hadn't got it there, was I'm one of two Italians currently in the top 10. And I'd already named Ciccone, so... And you'd already named Madonna's mate. Yeah. Um, I'm pleased with that. No, again, I just see loads of tweets today saying that in the absence of Mikel Lander, Caruso has just been let off the leash to go and have a go at it, basically. Yeah. He said he's yeah. had three top 10s in yeah. Grand Tours today, and he's a bit of a surprise package here. He's only two and a bit minutes down on Bernal, and I mean, as we say, the GC seems a bit done and dusted, but those podium places are very much up for grabs. There's yeah, like great uh, riders that could that could place there. Uh, you know, unless as long as Bernal stays on the bike, you think it's his, don't you? But um, anything can happen. The thing with Bernal is that there's two mountaintop finishes to come. There's, I mean, there's I think there's three more mountain stages. Two of them are summit finishes. This final week is brutal, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and he is just untouchable in the mountains, and he has this knack of really coming into his own in the final week, which not very many Grand Tour riders can boast. Yeah, that was the thing with today. Uh, really impressive because that was, you know, just a bog standard mountain. All right, it was shortened, but, you know, that was just uphill on the road. He didn't have, I think a couple of the riders might have made excuses for themselves when Bernal beat them on the gravel and got better positioning on uh, a couple of those stages. There was that, finish on the gravel and then there was that stage like Strade which had 35k on the gravel and Bernal seems to do really well there and I was there thinking well maybe he's just stronger on the gravel we'll see what it's like on the road and it turns out he's much stronger on the road as well <laughs> such is the story of Egan Bernal yeah. <laughs> um, Tom if people want to continue reading about Egan Bernal's story and progress in the Giro d'Italia where can they find that uh, as usual they can find us at TTPDCST. I should know how to spell that by now, but that is TT Podcast with all the vowels taken out on Twitter and Instagram. Perfect. Um, Tom, our next episode will be a rerun of this Giro d'Italia. Not a rerun because that would take hours, but a um, just go through recap. the main points. Yeah. A recap is probably the right word. Yeah. Um, we'll go through the main points and we'll look forward to, I guess, the beginning the- of the Tour de France season. Okay, I thought you were going to say something about crowning Roman Bardet there, but well, you know, look, I'm never <laughs> no, one to be right. hasty about just, Roman's success. Just stop the recording. <laughs> okay, Tom, a pleasure catching up with you. Everyone else, thank you very much for listening. Um, as Tom says, follow us, tweet us, say nice things, cheer on Roman with us. Um, we are now, as we say, the unofficial, um, hoping to become the official fan podcast of Roman Bardet. Isn't that right, Tom? Right. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Take care. (laughs) All the best. (laughs)